Welcome to The Thriving Christian Artist, the podcast where we hope you connect with God to bust through the roadblocks that have held you back for years, create the work you love, and really live the life you know God created you to live as an artist in His kingdom. I'm Matt Tama, your host. Let's get started. Well, hey there, my friend. I'm so glad that you're with me on the podcast today. You know, sometimes you are just going through life doing your thing, and then you meet somebody that is like, walking in a parallel universe. And you're like, how did I not ever meet you? We're <laughs> we're holding so many of the same things in our heart. And that happened to me not too long ago. I met a guy named Kent Sanders virtually online. And I started looking at some of the books he's written and some of the things he's doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how have we not met? So of course, I scheduled him for a podcast interview because I wanted you guys to hear his heart about uh, what God's doing uh, in the arts and creativity. And he's got a great book out that we talk about um, on the podcast. He's got several books out, actually, but one we talk about in particular on the podcast today. And I think it's just going to be a really, really big encouragement to you about not only how to really thrive in what God's called to do in, called you to do in ministry, but also uh, in the context of the marketplace. So I hope you really, really enjoy this uh, interview from my friend Kent Sanders. And of course, you can find out more about Kent all in the show notes. All right, I'm going to get out of the way and I hope this is a big blessing in your life. All right, bye. Well, hey there, everybody. I'm so glad that you're with me today. I've got my new friend with me, Kent Sanders, who is an incredible author that I've had the pleasure of reading one of his books, a podcaster, college professor, musician kent man i'm so glad you're with me today thanks matt this is a major honor thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it absolutely we were talking earlier off camera and i said i can't believe that we've not met before because when i started reading some of your work and hearing your heart i was like dude we carry so much of the same art and so i'm yeah. really excited to to be able to introduce you to to my audience and and all of that but uh you've been in this a while right I have. I I started out as a guitar player in church when I was a kid. You know, the song leader. Whenever, whenever that terminology was was in vogue. You know, song leader <laughs> or music leader. That's right. And then when I went to college, I actually intended on being a preacher, uh, which is surprising to me because I was really really terrible at it. You know, I'm I'm shocked nobody tried to talk me out of that somewhere along the way. And then got into worship arts ministry and did that for a while. And then about 15 years ago in 2000. Oh, I guess it's 16 years. This is 2020, isn't it? So back in 2004, I became a college professor at a small school in St. Louis, where I've been ever since then, teaching worship arts and communications and some different things like that. And then a few years ago, started to write more and do blogging and podcasting and so forth. So like we were talking about before you started the recording, it's all kind of a journey and different yeah. things morph along the way. But yeah, I, I love all this stuff. I'm super excited about the things that you're doing and your message and your books. And wow, it's just, it's so inspiring to see what you've been able to accomplish. And I'm grateful to be a really, really tiny part of, of what you're doing here on the show. Uh, today. Well, I hope this is the first of, of many opportunities we get to connect, but I, I can so relate to your story because I felt a call to ministry early on as well. And yet was very creative. My mom was a choir director for a hundred years and we were Methodist, grew up Methodist church. And so I went that normal path. I went to Emory university and got in, you know, to the Candler School of Theology and was going down that road of becoming, you know, a full-time pastor and that sort of thing. And 
something inside of me was just like, this is not the, the route. I've got something for you, but this is, is not it. But I think for a lot of us as creatives, especially back then, you know, mid nineties or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know that there was a lot of uh, people out there that had a context. I didn't have a context for what it looked like to be a Christian and really fulfilling what God has for your life and doing that outside of the local church. Correct. Correct. And so that for me was a really kind of confusing time. And yet the more I, you know, stepped out of that, that's kind of when I began to find the, the real juice, if you will, in, in my life. And it sounds like for you too, that, that, you know, you've been able to really find a lot of uh, desire and inspiration and really fulfillment in, in both serving the local church, but also stepping outside the local church as well. Absolutely. And, and I love the local church. I love pastors. My yeah. heart is always going to be with the local church. No question. I mean, I, I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life, but there does come a time. And I think most people who are involved in a worship arts ministry, specifically as staff people, probably would relate to this idea of there comes a point at which you, you just get kind of bored of the routine, right? You know, church life has very much a routine to it, no matter what your denomination is or what sort of stripe of a Christian that you are, you know, there's Christmas stuff and then there's sometimes choir stuff. If your church has a choir, there's uh, of course every Sunday, you know, you or every weekend you have services. And (laughs) I think there comes a point at which it's very, very exciting. And then after maybe a few years or after a decade of doing that, you kind of feel like, you know, I need some new challenges creatively. And every artist is going to want new challenges and new opportunities. And sometimes when you're confined to using your art just in a local church context, those opportunities are pretty limited. Yeah. So that's where I found myself. And that's what I have appreciated so much about teaching at a college is there's lots of different opportunities to express yourself there creatively. And I've been fortunate because I teach at actually at a really, really tiny college less than a hundred students were wow. growing, which is going against the trend. Yeah. You know, most colleges are shrinking. Ours is actually uh, growing to a degree, which I'm thankful for. But I feel very blessed because our school administrators let me shift out of that worship arts role into more of a communications and media type of role, right. which a lot of schools wouldn't let you do. So I will forever be grateful to my school for letting me make a pivot in my desire to teach some different courses and and just explore some different creative opportunities. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think for a lot of artists, especially, I mean, I really believe God is raising up, you know, this movement of artists all over the world. And I think for, for those who get reintroduced to that concept that, you know, God's got a design for your life or purpose as a creative person. And, and that happens in the context of, of their faith community. That's incredible. But so many times while that is, an inspiring time for them that can also be a limiting time for them because they may not see a context for their creativity outside the local church. So how do you, how do you help? And, and just so y'all know, we hadn't planned this. We're just flowing. So it's all good. I love it. <laughs> it's all good. But how, how do you help the creatives that you're working with Kent um, have a context to both serve the local body with what God's given them creatively. And yet at the same time, have a context for, Hey, there may be something that God's got for me also in the marketplace as well. Well, I look at it in terms of, well, I guess there's different ways to, to parse that and look at that, but I try to challenge people to do things that scare them. And mm. for me, a long time, I was scared of the business world. And I use that term, the business world. I know that sounds really generic and that encompasses a whole bunch of different things. 
but I was scared at anything having to do with quote unquote business because I'd always been involved in education and always been involved in, in church leadership ministry. But to do something outside of that setting was to me really frightening. So right. the more that I have dipped my toe in, in that water, the more I've, I've gotten comfortable with it. And I love challenging other people to do the same thing as well, because it's not a big, scary world necessarily where everybody's out there to get you. And right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's dog eat dog world. And, and there's some of that too, but I mean, my goodness, that's in the church as well. It's not right. like it's to me, it has not actually been really much different <laughs> doing something <laughs> with, with a local business or with a client trying to help them with ghostwriting or with their, with their copy on their website or with podcasting or whatever it is. Right. So I don't know. I, I just like to challenge people to, to think outside of the walls of the local church, just because we're oftentimes scared of that. Yeah. And my goodness, there's so many people who need to hear about Jesus. I mean, how's that going to happen unless we actually go to them? That's right. And I, I'm not saying with every client that we work with or everything that we do business-wise that we have to be ramming the gospel down their throat or anything like that, because that approach doesn't work anyway. Right. But I do think if we do excellent work with our art or with our writing or if we have a service-based business or if we have products, if we do a good job of that, I feel like that opens up a context for more conversations. And if we show excellence in our craft, that to me is a really good witness because if we have, if we do our craft and it's really poorly done, no matter what that craft or business is, then that in my mind kind of mars the name of Christ because sure. we're basically saying, Hey, I worship a really awesome and excellent God, but I don't reflect that in my personal work. Yeah. Don't look at me for the example, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, think I, I don't want to give the impression that I do any of this perfectly by any stretch. No, no, we're all in process. Right. But I think one of the big frustrations I see in so many Christian artists is that they want to serve the Lord with their art and they get started maybe at a conference like our gathering of artisans or others. And then they, they're like so excited about it. And then they start thinking, wow, maybe I could sell my art. They start getting a desire for that. And they try to put all those expectations of the marketplace on their local church. Why isn't anybody right. buying my art? Why isn't anybody commissioning? And I, I always say, you know, I think our art is designed to bless the church. Uh, and it, obviously it is to enhance worship, to glorify the Lord, to be an offering of worship to him. But at the same time, I really believe, like you said, it's for the marketplace because that's where most people are. And that's where we get to develop relationships. And I think more often than not, our art becomes this sort of um, intersection point, if you will, where the Lord can use not only the relationship that we've, we've built, but also the, the creative expression of our hands and our heart to, to become a way that he can speak to people in ways that are non-traditional, that, that singing and preaching and, and the normal day-to-day uh, -day of the local church may never reach them. And so yeah. that to me is so exciting. Yeah. I think a huge part of it for me also is just asking the question, where is it that, that God is operating in the world? Is mm. God only operating in the local church? Hello. Is that the only place where <laughs> quote unquote ministry takes place? Right, right. I don't, I don't think so. And I, I sure hope not because there's a lot of people out there that aren't going to church. So I sure hope that God is is ministering to people and serving people and and using me in a way that's improving people's lives and their business, regardless yeah. of whether I have the name Jesus stamped on it or yeah. or whatever it is. So, you know, and if there's any pastors listening to this, which I know that there are, we like definitely that. don't 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love pastors. And in fact, I, one of my secret desires, I've never actually said this publicly, but I've been thinking about an article for the last couple of weeks and I want to write, but I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to get some pushback on it, which is okay. But I really believe that most pastors should consider having some kind of a side business or a side hustle mm. because that would help them to reach out to their community, to get engaged in the business world and doing things that maybe intimidate them a little bit, but also open so many doors for conversations. Right. I mean, my goodness, just, just getting engaged out there and doing things that are outside the local church can be so refreshing. And man, it also just gives you something that you're building on the side that doesn't have to do with your church job. Yeah. I think that can be really creatively refreshing to people. When you get ready to share that, I'll give you a link to my, my controversial article that says three reasons why our, all Christian artists should leave the church. <laughs> <laughs> that is, a, is not that, at all that's what good copywriting. Says. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, clickbait. No, but it, <laughs> it works though. I didn't work though, but it was, uh, it, again, it's just this heart of guys. Yeah. Honor your local church, invest in it, be a part of it, but don't allow that to be the end all be all. And don't put all that weight of expectation on dreams that you may have uh, for a business or whatever on your local church, because that gets to be a really kind of, kind of weird relationship. So I, I think, yeah, for, and it's not just, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go. I was just going to say, I think the, the exciting thing for me that happens with a lot of, to watch a lot of artists that happened for me in my own life is realizing that God's design for us in the kingdom is that we harvest our provision in our life, our finances, in line with our design and yeah. for, for artists you know so many times we're taught especially ones that grew up in the church or involved in ministry we're taught that well this is just an extra thing or you should be giving this away because god inspired you and how could you charge for it and there's no thought at all that god could use uh your creative expression as a vehicle to bring income into your life. And yet yeah, I yeah. find that's a huge way <laughs> that God does that. And that's the way provision is designed to flow in his kingdom. I mean, you're yeah. seeing that in your own life as you not only do what you do in ministry, but you're also stepping out of the marketplace as well. Yeah, I am. In fact, uh, I'm getting ready to sign, uh, to sign my first book ghostwriting client. Hopefully they'll send a contract back. Uh, today, I sent it off a few days ago, and this has been really exciting to me. This is a, a huge thing that I've been intimidated by, to be frank with you, for a while. I've been doing ghostwriting of different kinds for clients for several years, whether right. it's you know podcast show notes or articles or, or website copy or whatever it is. And that's not even really considered quote-unquote ghostwriting, I guess. But it's been really fascinating to me that that the more you put yourself out there and the more that you you try to achieve bigger goals that you feel like are beyond you, cool things can really happen with that. Yeah. And I, I guess my goal is, you know, coming from somebody who I used to work at a church, I did that for about eight or nine years uh, full time and then switched to teaching. And in the Christian college world, you also rely on donations a lot. You know, you, you depend on people to generously support what you're doing so you can keep your tuition costs down for students who are going into ministry who probably aren't going to be making high salaries. And something that is, is a goal of mine that I want to shoot for is at some point in my life, I, I don't just want to be the person asking for donations. Yeah. I want to be the person who's giving donations. Absolutely. You know, we had a thing at our school, uh, a big event a few months ago where we had a guy who pledged to match. I think it was, uh, and again, keep in mind, we have a very small college. Yeah, sure. 
we did this event where we were wanting to raise, it was like $80,000 or something. And um, if we raised 40,000, this donor was, no, I'm sorry, it was 60,000. If we raised $60,000, this donor was going to match that. And we, we met the goal through this event that we had and he ended up, mat- ended up matching it. And I told somebody at, at my college, I'm like, I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy who joyfully write out a large check to, uh, to my church or to a college or to a missionary or who, whoever it is to support the cause of Christ in the world. Yeah. But so many times in the, in the Christian community, we, we get weird about money and, and, we have this kind of poverty mentality. So I don't know. I, I think if we can use our creative gifts to bring in income so that we can then bless others and we can just be a channel of blessing, that to me is such a cool thing. Well, that's the kingdom. We're transformed to be conduits of transformation in, in other people's lives. And I think for, for me, I've loved the fact that we've been able to grow a very prosperous art business and mentoring business and that sort of thing. And it enables us to give back generously into the community and it's prosperity with a purpose. And again, that's exactly. God's design is that, you know, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Right. And so yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just love the way that that is happening in our life. And I just, I just did a uh, interview yeah. in my mentoring program with a woman who's been in the program about a year and God has completely changed her art business, all this kind of stuff. And she said, Matt, when I started understanding how the kingdom of God works, especially in regards to finances, she said, in this last quarter of my year, I've sold more art than any other year ever in my 35 years of selling. Wow. And uh, I'm like, hello, (laughs) this is, this is so incredible to see. And it's, it's so empowering for artists to believe that, wow, I can do the thing that God's called me to do. And I don't have to live in this, false narrative of being a starving artist. Do you think for the ones that you have worked with who, who have really had a transformation in their lives, does that come down to their art sometimes, you know, like the quality of their art or their ability to create art that the marketplace wants, or is it more of a mindset shift or is it both things sometimes? Well, it's definitely both things. I mean, I I think, you know, you can't only have, I I call it being filled and skilled right out of Exodus 31. So I love that. Bezalel's filled with the spirit of God and skilled in every manner of workmanship. Right. And that is this, this balance, uh, this sort of two wings of a plane, if you will, that we're always navigating as artists. And so you can be really skilled and be a great artist, but if you don't have the infilling of the Holy spirit, if you don't know how to move with the voice of the Lord in your business, in your art, then you can really kind of have a, just feel like you're going through the motions have a, a, a little bit of success or a measure of success. This lady did. She was an excellent artist for 35 years, had a measure of success, but lacking fulfillment, no real like feeling of abundance and fulfillment in her life. When she brought in now learning to hear God's voice, a different mindset about who she is, learning to flow with the Holy Spirit in her business and uh, just as much as her spiritual life and in her art, all of a sudden that's when the whoosh, I call it, you know, begin to happen. So I think it's both. And it's developing our skills uh, in order to enlarge our capacity to flow with the Holy spirit. And at the same time, continuing to renew our mind to the truth about who God says we are and what he has for us. So I love that. I really, really love that. That's so cool. 
it's a huge dynamic, I think, for, for all of us. And, um, you know, that, that kind of dynamic really is what led me to your book. And I'm going to get the, the title right, The Artist's Suitcase, 26 Essentials for the Creative Journey, because I love little nuggets. I love quotes. I love quick things that I can uh, encourage people with and that sort of thing along this journey of being filled and skilled. And somebody in one of our Facebook groups shared uh, this book out there. And I was like, that's when I was like, who is this guy? What? I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is it? What is this strange thing you put in my Facebook group? No, but it was, it was so great because you take the alphabet and you go through with 26 different essentials for, uh, you know, your creative journey. I, I had a couple of, of favorites. If I can, can I drop these on you and maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Cause you, I, I always hate it when I get on a podcast and somebody says, you know, on page 46, you wrote that so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm like, did I really, I don't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has been a few years, but I, I broke out my copy of the book. I'm like, okay, if he asks me about something that way I can flip through and go, did I actually write that? Yeah, I, I guess I did. Exactly, exactly. Well, no, number eight, you said F is for failure. And uh, talk about that, because I think in this, in this whole evolution of being an artist, of being filled and skilled, of trying to flow with the Holy Spirit and, and answer God's call in our life, things don't go perfectly. And we do have to walk through failure in our life. Why did you choose that as one of the real essentials for a creative? So in the book, I, I did a chapter on failure because that's something I've dealt with a lot personally myself. Yeah. But I think it, it is important to step back and try and look objectively at what it is that happened. You know, why did I fail? Why did I succeed? What happened that led to the situation that I'm in that I'm perceiving as a failure? But I think if you step even more back, and this is a little bit meta, I guess, <laughs> there really is no such thing as success or failure. There's only a sequence of events that happen in our lives. And we can assign success or failure to those events. You know, like, for, for example, last summer, I spent about a week creating a, um, a proposal to do some consulting for a large organization that I thought was going to work out. I mean, I was convinced it was going to work out. And this was, this was much larger than anything I'd ever put together. Yeah. I was convinced it was going to go the way that I wanted. Well, it ended up not going that way. And for several weeks, I was actually pretty agitated about it. And, you know, I could bring my wife on a podcast and she would tell you, he was not in the <laughs> yes, greatest mood for about a month after that. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that I was a failure in that. It just means it didn't go the way that I happened to want it to go. I could assign that as a, as a failure, but instead I chose to think of it as after a few weeks, I chose to think of it as a learning point. Mm. What did I do wrong? What can I, what can I do better the next time? And the more that I thought about it objectively, the more that I discovered, I did a whole bunch of things wrong in this process. Yeah. And this would have been a disaster if they would have said yes. So I'm glad it didn't work out actually. So I don't know. I, that, that may seem a little bit, um, no, that's a little bit meta, but I do think that's, that's the truth. No, that's huge. I, I told the mentoring program the other day, I said 99.9% .9 of the, the problems or the big blowups that you have in your life, the frustrations ha that happen in your life happen because of expectation. Yes. A situation so did not go the way you thought it should or would have gone. And because of that, you assign all this meaning to it. And more than likely, I know this is the case for me, you attach some part of your identity to that outcome 
And so now, yes. now I think, well, no, now it just didn't go badly and I didn't do it badly, but I'm bad because it didn't yes. go, I'm not worthy. And that is where I think so many artists get attacked and paralyzed in their life because they internalize the, the fruit of decisions or situations that happen in their life, as opposed to being able to walk in a healthy identity and hold those uh, events that happen in life kind of at arm's length to be able to look at them, like you said, objectively and, and be able to walk through that in a healthy way. So that kind of gets into your, another one that I loved, which I talk about a lot. I would say G is for grit, but you said P is for persistence because <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the South. So everything comes back to grits, right? Absolutely. But, Absolutely. but um, you know, for me, grit and persistence is like, I think of that scripture, you know, the righteous fall seven times, but get back up. It's this, it's not in everything going right, but it's in my ability and my diligence in continuing on the journey, even when things have not gone the way I thought or been difficult. And that sounds like that's been a real core thing for, for you as well. Yeah. In fact, I was talking about this to someone just the other day about thinking through why is it that we get discouraged and why do we want to give up and why don't we persist in the things that we actually want to do and the goals that we have. I know for me, a lot of times that happens when I'm tired physically, when I'm tired right. emotionally or mentally. That to me is a huge trigger for wanting to give up when I just feel tired in my spirit. And it seems like the older I get, the more that that happens. <laughs> I, I, you know, my, I don't have the energy level I used to when I was 25. Yeah, sure. So may, maybe there is, there is a bit where as we get older, we have to manage our expectations a little bit in terms of our energy and our ability to focus and, and all those things. But for me, a big key to, to thinking through the reasons that I don't persist is journaling. So I try to maintain a daily journal habit. I don't do it every single day. I would say five days a week on average. But for me, sitting down and, and writing out my thoughts and my feelings about whatever situation that I want to quit or that I'm mad about or frustrated about, that has been a huge thing for me, just thinking through and processing, okay, what exactly am I mad about? Mm. And, and I've done, actually done this many times. I know this sounds really juvenile, but there have been many times where I've gone to work and I've just been out of sorts about something might be a family thing. It might be a personal thing or a work thing. And literally I will make a list of what am I mad about right now? What is upsetting me? And I'll make a list. But then when you stop and look at that list objectively, you think, wow, these are all really silly. Or maybe they're not all really silly, but a lot of them are kind of silly. And that if I'm choosing to be upset in this moment and I'm choosing to want to give up and quit, then that also means I can, I can reverse that decision. Yeah. I can choose to persist. I can choose to have grit and keep on despite what my emotions are telling me. So for me, that, that has been a key part of trying to be a little more persistent in my life is just becoming more objective, writing down my feelings and getting those on paper. And then when you see those in black and white, there's something about doing that where they lose their power over you mm -hmm. when you actually see them in print. Yeah. You bring them At least into that, the light, That's what right? happened for me. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Because I think for all of us as artists, that that thing that the enemy does to all of us, it says, you're the only one. You're the yes. only one that's dealing with this. Nobody else is as bad as you are, all that. But when you write it, like I'm a, I'm a big journaler every day. I mean, I'm, I drink my coffee, sit in my chair, write it in my journal. I mean, that's my, my jam. And I, that is so cathartic for me to be able to write things down, not only in prayer, but like you said, things you're struggling with and all of a sudden it brings it into reality. And it's like, now is this really as bad as I think it is? Or 
am I making up in my mind what could happen as opposed to what's really the issue in this situation? And uh, I just, I love that. I, I've written about that in every book that I've written. I'm like, all right, before you read this book, get your journal out because God's going <laughs> <God's gonna laughs> to use that. this to, you know, to, for you to really process what, what he's doing in your life through this. So that's so important. Do you have, I, we could talk all day, but I'm <laughs> as, as you're thinking about your own creative journey and again, working with so many creatives, is there one habit other than journaling, which I think we both agree is so huge that you think, wow, this has been a major, major, uh, important thing in my life, my own creative journey to help keep me on the path of what God's got for me and really grow um, and expand in your capacity as an artist. Absolutely. I would say in the past 12 months or so, really the last several years, but specifically the last year, the number one thing that has helped me to grow more, far more than anything else is being around other successful people. Mm, so so I'm a part of a weekly writers mastermind group we've met actually for about five years every monday morning online we meet on zoom just like we're doing now yeah and that has been transformational for me but i've also in the last year i started a local mastermind group for men to work on our personal and professional goals we meet every two weeks at a coffee shop and in fact it was so much fun last month because i transferred leadership of that group over to another gentleman in the group so he's leading it and i'm seeing him kind of bust out and and take charge, which has been so much fun. But I'm I'm also a part of a couple of paid groups. Uh, one is called the Total Life Freedom Group. It's led by a guy named Vincent Puglisi. He wrote a book called Freelance to Freedom. He used to be a very successful photographer, and now he does speaking and coaching and masterminds and all kinds of things like that, helping people to develop a business out of their, their freelancing, right. basically, and to develop time, money, and location freedom. And being a part of, of that group has been really, really transformational. Just being around other successful thinkers, people who are at much higher levels than I am. Yeah. It's intimidating sometimes, but it has pulled me forward in ways that I could never do myself. So that's why I think for those listening who who would like to be better artists and be better creatively, what you're offering as far as your coaching and your programs and your mentoring, man, I would encourage people to take advantage of that because you right. are not going to go very far just on your own power. You've got to have somebody who's reaching a hand down and pulling you up. So being yeah, around can, successful people is so key. Well, and just like you, I've practiced that in my own life. I'm also a part of, you know, several mastermind groups with, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I committed a long time ago to try my very best not to be this. I don't want to be the smartest person or think I'm the smartest person in the room. I want to be exactly around people that are going to stretch me and make me go, Whoa, that's possible. And, um, and I think that it's so funny, you know, when we started the mentoring program, it's going on four years now, um, about two years prior to that, I had a lot of the, the teaching, uh, kind of in my head and written down for what I was going to do in the mentoring program. And we put it out there in a format that had no community component. Okay. And what we found was, this is so interesting to me. We found a ton of people came in. And then nobody hardly, I mean, like 2% of people came back and we were like, what is the deal? And I was thinking to myself, this is such valuable information and blah, 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 <laughs> you know, all this kind of thing. And it comes down to, it's not information that brings transformation in your life. It's interaction, not yes. only with the information, but with others on the journey with the Lord in the process. And I, as I look at the mentoring program, now we've got 
close to 1200 members and growing all the time. Um, it is amazing what starts to happen when people share that journey with others. And um, because you can process and you can say, oh gosh, I'm not the only one going through this or how did you get through this? And maybe I could use that strategy in my life. And it's just a, it, it, a rising tide, you know, floats all boats. It really helps everybody grow together. So. Oh, I, I could not agree more. I just love that, that for me has been the number one factor in any growth that I've had the last year or two really is it's other people and their influence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kent, man, this has been such a, a pleasure to get to know you a little better and know your heart. And uh, Guys, if you want to know about Kent, you can check out the show notes. That's got his website, also got a link to his books and that sort of thing on Amazon. And um, I can't wait to dive into some more of him and just, just hear more of your heart, Kent. But thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And I hope all my listeners will, will reach out and, and get to know what you're doing more. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate what you're doing to encourage artists and creatives. It's really, really important work because arts and creativity, that's the language of culture. And I love the fact that you're diving into that head first and helping people with that area. Well, thanks a lot. Hey, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me today on the podcast. Listen, I hope it's been a huge encouragement to you on your journey as an artist. Hey, also, before you leave, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other episodes of the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. And also, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or at my website, which is matttommymentoring.com. Until next time, remember, you were created to thrive. Bye-bye.